Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Oh, man. Every day you wake up to a problem and every day you go to sleep with a problem. So there's never like a moment where you're just like, oh, like this is fantastic. Today I'm going to go hiking you know like there's never a day that you're just not worried about something um and it's not when i say worried like there isn't like a fear or anything like that it's just like you have to deal with something and you have to let time kind of play it out um but yeah it's that's the one thing that a lot of people don't see behind the scenes with just being a business owner or entrepreneur is like there's absolute headaches and there's no way to really like solve them except kind of letting them play out and it could take you know, an hour, it could take, you know, five months, whatever the situation is. Um, there's just a lot of headaches with that. Um, there's a lot less time and you have to be way more accountable. Um, when I was an agent, you know, I didn't really have to be accountable to anybody except for myself. So, you know, Gary V talks a lot about, you know, when he got going with uh, Media that he was basically an employee to his employees. And that's exactly how I feel because my agents need something, I have to be there. Uh, my agent's having some kind of problems with something, I have to be there. Uh, my agent's not getting enough work or like there's some sort of life balance with them that's happening. Um, I have to be there. So it's just a lot of that that's really not um, you know, written in a handbook somewhere. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. Chris Bentley is a broker of a small brokerage with 14 agents in the Dallas area, and he transitioned from a top producing sales associate, decided to forego a team and just open up his own brokerage. And He's learned some lessons along the way. It hasn't been that long, and he's still trying to figure out how to juggle all of the responsibilities of owning a brokerage and selling real estate at the same time. I'm sure a lot of smaller brokers will relate to a lot of what he has to say. So um, enjoy, and um, thanks for listening. This is Tracy Velt. Editorial Director for Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Chris Bentley, founder, broker, and owner of Bentley Fine Properties in Texas. Bentley's 14-agent office serves the Dallas area, and in 2020, he transitioned from a top agent with Rogers Helian Associates to building his own brokerage. So welcome, Chris. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great that you could join us. Um, I really want to talk a little bit about this transition from an agent or a team leader to a broker. What was that kind of aha moment? What made you decide to go ahead and open your own brokerage? Uh, I was training a guy that is a friend of mine. Actually, I knew his brother first and then uh, I knew him and then uh, he got his license. I was training him up and he was doing great. 
And I just got to the point where you kind of hit a ceiling. Um, I wasn't getting any money from him. We had like, you know, kind of agreements between, you know, different clients and stuff like that. And I said to myself, uh, you know, if this thing is going to get to the next level and myself included, um, I'm going to have to open up my own shop. And that's kind of what started it. Um, I really originally didn't want to because it's kind of easy just being an agent and not having to worry about, uh, you know, office overhead or people coming and going and, you know, any of the admin stuff, people screwing up. Um, You just mostly just kind of worry about yourself and your production. Yeah, absolutely. So you were an individual agent? I was, yeah. Okay, so you did not have a team. Um, so why choose a brokerage instead of building out a team? Uh, I, you know, I, I went through a lot of different brokers, and I've gotten kind of screwed and tattooed over the years. And I just realized that it's a lot easier just to kind of be your own boss and run the own show, and you know, you don't have to worry about you know, having to run something by somebody or you want to try to do some advertising and, you know, the broker won't allow it, stuff like that. It's just, it's such a headache. I knew I'd just be in the same spot again, you know, two or three years later. Okay. So in 2020, you decided to build your brokerage. So how did, what is your business model and how did you determine that? Um, and, you know, with the 14 agents, are they working as a team with you or is it a, you know, a brokerage where they're individuals? Uh, we kind of have like a hybrid. Um, it's a traditional model, but we run a lot of leads. So leads come through. Um, I don't charge people for the lead. So it's, you know, I also am out in the field as well. So I'm not sitting behind a desk. So there's just so much I can do. So I have to delegate and move responsibilities and uh, funnel leads to different agents that can handle them. Um, so I just, we work as a team, meaning that we all help each other out. But at the same time, it's very much a traditional, meaning that um, they're their own agent. There's no you know, income coming from me. Okay. So you're not like 100% or a low fee. You you have a traditional split as well, a brokerage model. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're at 14 agents now, which is probably close to that um, you know, tipping point where you need to like maybe make a decision on whether you want to continue selling or, you know, where you want to grow the brokerage. So talk to me about your growth strategy and and what you envision the brokerage to be. Um, I'm pretty much going to continue doing the hybrid until I can't handle it enough. Uh, I just been hiring a lot of staff recently. um, And that's a whole nother challenge onto its own um, because, you know, you got some agents that want to do it and then they realize that they're not very good at it and they want to go back to selling or, you have some agents that, mm-hmm. you know, are, are good at admin or not at admin. Uh, you know, I've been hiring a lot of friends and family kind of deal. So um, that's been kind of fun. Um, so it's just kind of a, a growth, you know, it's a, just a, a growing pains kind of deal. And like, it's just a lot of like trying to figure it out on my own um, because I like kind of doing that part. I don't like to read a book and then read a manual or something like that and, and do it. I like to kind of figure it out on my own. Yeah. I mean, what we found at Real Trends is that um, it's a really hard decision to make to stop selling because you're going to take a hit to your income mm-hmm. to do that. But ultimately, if you have, you know, if you're growth minded with it, like that's something you really want to do, it'll eventually, you know, you'll get to that breaking point. Um, 
And so are do you consider yourself more like a boutique firm? It's a bit of a boutique in terms of the size. Um, and we have a lot of agents that, you know, I'd say they're full-time, but they're also really not committed full-time until, you know, the summertime, because it's usually the, the you know, busiest time of the year, obviously, because school lets out. So um, I'm kind of taking it as it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't want to give up selling. Um, I really want to continue to be out in the field and leading from the front. So we'll kind of see what happens. I mean, if it gets to the point where um, it's just too much and I have to be in an office all day long, then I will. Uh, but I'm hiring staff as we go. So it's going to be a pretty, pretty good experiment. See what happens. Okay. And when you say staff, are you hiring managers? Are you hiring admin? What are admin? You- yeah, I'm just hiring admin uh, to take a lot of the load off of me. So I don't have to do a lot of the back end stuff. Um, yeah. That stuff takes, not that it's hard, it just takes a lot of time. That time I could be used to, you know, be out in front of clients that want to see me. Okay. And it sounds like one of your biggest recruiting points is the leads that you generate. What are you using to generate those leads? Um, and how are you determining where they get um, sent to? Um, I'm really good at like coaching and mentoring agents. So I can tell, you know, who's strong in what area. So I can kind of delegate very well. Um, we get a lot of leads from online. We get a lot of leads from signs and different things. So, um, like I said, you know, like I had a, a lease listing that I just put up and we had an overwhelming response. And like, I can't show that house, you know, 35 times, you know, how would jump off a roof. Um, so like I had to delegate those out. So just stuff like that. And of okay. course, I'm not going to charge for delegating that out. Okay. Um, and so of the 14 agents, are any of them part of a team? No, I think we're, they're all, okay. some, yeah, but okay. I'm open to it. Yeah. I'm open yeah. to it. So what do you, what would you say is your value proposition? What differentiates you from other brokerage firms? Um, I think I have a really good ear to the ground in terms of understanding what each person really wants and a very good mentor. Um, they can accept and they I'm very accessible. So that people can text or call or email me every single day, Monday through Sunday, weekends, holidays, whatever. If it's snowing, I'm still there. Right. And so um, from seven to 11 every single day. So it's just, it's very nice to have and something that I've never really experienced was a broker that was able to answer a question on the fly very quickly or get on a phone with a client and like, you know, talk them off the roof, uh, just different things like that, that really help grow an agent very quickly versus, you know, somebody just trying to figure it out. And like, I don't want that. I don't want the figuring out stage. Like you can just ask me. Okay. And so how do you determine who's the right agent for you? Are you looking for someone who wants to build up to full-time? You know, obviously to be able to scale what you're doing, you're not going to be able to mentor every agent or talk to every agent or solve every problem. Um, So do you, do you kind of want to keep it to a certain size, like a a small boutique firm where you can do that or? I'm just kind of playing, you know, how it goes. You know, ideally, I like to get to 40 agents this year, okay. um, which is going to be a substantial growth. I know I kind of see how it goes. You know, like if it's if it's booming and I need to be in the office more and I, I can't hire any more staff because I need to be there and that's fine. Um, if not, then, you know, I'll still be out in the field doing my thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year, especially because it's going to be a big growth year. 
And how did you recruit the agents that you have? Um, you know, where, how are you, are you doing all of the recruiting? Yeah, I'm doing everything. Um, I put on my recruiting hat. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of different things that I do. Uh, obviously, it's mostly online. That's where people go to get jobs or it's word of mouth. So we have a lot of agents that, you know, talk or they're looking at their profile pages on social media and they're like, hey, who do you work for? And then, you know, sooner or later, it comes back to me. Okay. And who is, um, you know, what's your ideal agent? Uh, somebody that's hungry, somebody that can work weekends, ideally, uh, because that's the busiest time. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody that's super responsive. Uh, okay. We have a big, big deal with me in terms of uh, clients and their, you know, their uh, experience. You know, was it a good experience? Was it a little bumpy? That's cool. But was my agent there with me? Yep. You know, could I reach out to the broker at any time? Yep. It was all my questions answered. Yep. So then the client is like, you know, it was a little bumpy, but, you know, Chris and his company got me through or my agent got me through. So uh, I like to hear that kind of stuff. Okay. And what are some of the challenges that you, that you found in building um, the brokerage so far? Oh man, every day you wake up to a problem and every day you go to sleep with a problem. So there's never like a moment where you're just like, oh, like this is fantastic today. I'm going to go hiking, you know, like there's never a day that you're just not worried about something. Um, and it's not, when I say worried, like there isn't like a fear or anything like that. It's just like, you have to deal with something and you have to let time kind of play it out. Um, but yeah, it's, that's the one thing that a lot of people don't see behind the scenes with just being a business owner or entrepreneur is like, there's absolute headaches and there's no way to really like solve them except kind of letting them play out. And that could take you know, an hour, it could take, you know, five months, whatever the situation is. Um, there's just a lot of headaches with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is why sometimes they, you know, choose a team under a broker to deal with the, the headaches rather than go out on your own. Um, so that took some courage to do that for sure. Yeah. Um, and I know that you, have, um, you wrote an article on kind of early entrepreneurial success, and, and you mentioned quite a few things like work-life balance and being an ambassador for your brand. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned transitioning from agent to broker? Uh, there's just a lot more responsibility. Um, there's a lot less time, and you have to be way more accountable. Um, when I was an agent, you know, I didn't really have to be accountable to anybody except for myself. So, you know, Gary V talks a lot about, you know, when he got going with uh, VaynerMedia that he was basically an employee to his employees. And that's exactly how I feel because my agents need something, I have to be there. Uh, my agent's having some kind of problems with something, I have to be there. Uh, my agent's not getting enough work or like there's some sort of life balance with them that's happening. Um, I have to be there. So it's just a lot of that that's really not um, you know, written in a handbook somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Now, do you have an actual office um, that they can go to, or are you more like a virtual? 
Yeah, right now we're just doing virtual because of COVID, um, but we have an office, yeah. Okay. And so as far as that goes, you know, and just taking COVID out of the equation, what what are some of the things that you're doing to stay in touch with the, the 14 agents that you have to build that cohesiveness since you're not going into the office? Do you have standing meetings? Do you have events? You know, talk to me about some of the things that you're doing to communicate and to inspire yeah, once a month we do an event. It could be a lunch, it could be happy hour, um, and we just kind of meet. And then with everybody, usually like they check in, um, you know, one to three days. You know, if I don't hear from them in three days, it's usually like an issue, or they're maybe like you know dealing with something uh, personal side. But um, they're usually working, and I can see you know what's going on in in our CRM. You know, I can read notes, I could see different things, I could check to see like okay, well, you know, the client's looking at a certain amount of properties. Are you taking them out? Um, it all kind of comes back to me at some point. So I know if you're not doing something because I could just tell based mm-hmm. off of responses and stuff like that, um, which is not good. So like it just, you know, I just know. Um, and then we have Facebook, which is we have our own private group. Um, so there's a lot of like conversations in there. I usually, that is my way of reaching out to everybody all at once. So um, if there's something that needs to be said on like a corporate level or like a company level, um, that's that. Or if it's something that needs to be addressed, um, like the elephant in the room. So then I could just kind of address it there. Yeah. Okay. Um, So it's interesting because you're in Texas and you're still not going into the office. I'm in Florida and, um, you know, it's kind of a mix of people going into the office, but similar atmospheres, I think, um, to Texas. So what, um, you know, are people, are you allowing agents to go in if they want to? Sure. Um, the the issue is just going to be that a lot of times I'm not here. So, you know, if they're coming in to like, hang out and ask me questions, you can just text me. Um, it's just, uh, I've learned from, this isn't my first team I've run and isn't my like first company. So I just know that like a lot of times people, you know, it's just, that's how they work is they're usually just, you know, they put on their, they go take a shower, they put on their pants and they come to work kind of deal. And then they just like kind of hang out and like, I don't really need that because I'm busy. So, um, you know, I kind of put the kibosh on a lot of that stuff because I'm never really at the office. So if you need me, you can reach out. Otherwise, like, you know, I'm out in the field. Are you ever concerned about that accessibility? You know, agents are very relationship oriented, very people oriented. Um, I know you do monthly events that are in person, um, but, you know, do you feel like that FaceTime with you is necessary? Um, Sometimes it just depends on the agent. I'm really good at reading people. So if they feel that way, I mean, they're more than happy to, you know, go do stuff with them or come to the office. Um, it's only really for me if I've experienced is going to be the newer people um, that just got their license or they're kind of like don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to be a lot of handholding like this is a, you know, a lockbox and this is a key. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a door. This is how you show the property. Right. Um, and then, like, you know, like this is a wonderful contract. So it's just a lot of that kind of stuff um, in the beginning. And I know because I was an agent. So like yeah. I know what it's like to be like thrown in the water in the pool and being like, okay, well now figure it out. Um, I don't do that at all. Like it's, it's definitely a lot of training, a lot of zoom calls, a lot of sharing the screens, a lot of different things. Now, are you, um, are you recruiting a lot of new to the business agents? 
I'm recruiting both. Honestly, um, you know, I'm mixed on both sides. So if I recruit a new person, um, the problem I have with them is they've never really experienced, unless they've been in sales, which I prefer, um, they never really experienced like a sales dynamic. So I kind of talk about this a lot is that when you're in negotiation or when you're in a sales contract with another person, um, there's always somebody that leads and there's always somebody that follows. So mm-hmm. you can't be like two leaders and you can't be like two followers because you won't get the deal done. Right. Or it'll explode. So you right. have to like kind of pick and choose your battle. So if, you know, like I'm pretty lead oriented. So like I kind of lead from the front. Um, but if somebody else is like taking the initiative, I'm like, cool, like you just do it. And like, I'll hang out, you know? So um, there's a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of, bullying in real estate, unfortunately. So there's a lot of, you know, uh, conversations that can be kind of pointed and kind of sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody that's not interested, you know, not used to that could get kind of scared. And we actually had a, a lady on there on the team that did that. And she was like, wow, this is like terrible, you know? So it's just a lot of stuff that, you know, real estate school doesn't necessarily prep you for. Definitely. Um, that's that. a big issue in the industry, actually, that, um, you know, the training, really falls on the broker um, and managers to do uh, in their, you know. Yeah. I mean, once you pass your real estate license, you basically take the books and all that stuff and just throw it in the garbage because it's a lot of forms, a lot of meetings, a lot of showings, and a lot of, you know, just back and forth between title companies, lenders, and the other agent. Um, And that's not what people think it is. They think it's, you know, you go show a house, it has marble, it has all these awesome features right. and they want to buy it. And then they fill out a form and like, see at closing, where's my check? And it's like, yeah. really not that way. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I want to kind of go back to the lead. So you said you get them through your website. Um, did you talk to me about that? Did you build that um, in-house? Is that something that, it, you know, how are you generating leads through your, your website? Well, we have lead sources from 13 different places. So it comes through different areas. I mean, it could come through the website. It could come through, you know, just people searching online. It can come through a lot of different things. I try not to give away my marketing secrets, but um, it's all online based mostly, except for signs and, you know, phone calls, random phone calls. So, um, but yeah, we do a really good job of of uh, marketing, you know, that's a lot of it is on me. And then a lot of people see what I'm doing and the team and they kind of do their own thing. So um, I know you don't want to reveal your secrets, but I do want to know a little bit more, like, are you signing up to services such as like Zillow and some of those online leads, or are you doing more social media type? All the above. Yep. All the above. Yep. Okay. So um, it's interesting because that's one of the things that, um, not, you know, brokers, teams are, are, we've found in a study we recently did that, that teams are more profitable than brokerages. Um, and one of the reasons is that brokerages are not necessarily giving leads to their agents. Not all, some do, obviously. Um, yeah. So even though you're not running it as a team, one of the big things you're doing is lead generation, um, you know, which which helps a lot. So so that's interesting. And do you, all of your agents um, participate in that? Is that, do you think that's your biggest value prop and that's why they're coming to join you? I think it's one of the biggest props. Um, the other one is the mentorship. I mean, I've been in a bunch of articles about it. Um, the thing is that, you know, I care is the biggest thing, you know, so um, I've been in a lot of brokerages that don't, 
So it's just like, okay, well, like, congratulations on signing up. If you, you know, close a deal, fantastic. That's money for me. Otherwise, like, you know, I'll see you when you pay your Trek dues or your uh, Metro text dues, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is like the MLS fees. Right. So it's just, you know, I, and I don't want that model. I've been in that situation a lot. Um, I don't want the whole sink or swim deal. So like, I will show you the ropes just like I was shown when back in the day. And then I will, you know, make every effort to be there for you. If you fail, that's on you. Like, cause I've given you everything. And that's kind of how I feel when somebody terminates or when somebody quits is because like I've given you everything there's, there was no time that you could have asked me to help you or could have contacted me or could have done a zoom or I could have seen what you were doing. There was never a time that you could say, Hey, Chris is a horrible broker because he never helped me out because that's the, that's a lie. I was here the whole time. So it makes me feel better that, Hey, look, I was here. You could have asked me, you didn't, I have tons of training material. You didn't Mm -hmm. look it over. I'm sorry. It didn't work out for you. And then some, some people, it's just not cut off for them. Do you do video training at all? I do. Um, Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, and where do you offer those on your Facebook page or on your website or? Uh, we have a private drive. Okay. Um, and that's where everything's stored. Okay. And so um, how is that one of the ways you're, you feel like you can scale that type of one-on-one training up to 40 agents? Cause obviously it gets harder the more agents you have. Um, yeah. Um, it's going to be a issue because uh, what I'm running into is a lot of the admin stuff, like mm-hmm. the training stuff, the in the field stuff. I'm a natural born for that stuff. Um, it's more of like the admin stuff. So, yeah. you know, answering the emails or doing this during that, um, you know, like transaction coordinator helps out with some of that stuff, but at the same time, a lot of it, is something that I need to address. And, you know, then you get into the customer, you know, satisfaction and customer experience. And then like, I don't want that to suffer. So it's kind of a big uh, juggling act at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, I think, like I said, one of the hardest um, things for, for brokers to do is scale because you you know, you're forced to give up that one-on-one time that helped you build the business from the very beginning. So you have to get creative to figure out how to, how to still keep that while still growing. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I want to get to like the overall industry in general, and um, I want to know where you see the biggest opportunities um, and not necessarily in the market, but just in general, ge- it could be in the market, it could be in general. Where do you feel the, the most opportunities or where are the biggest opportunities for real estate brokerages in the next year? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, the industry right now is kind of going to a lot of lead companies actually becoming brokers and, and charging you a percentage. Um, and that's a fundamental shift that really hurt us a little bit in the beginning was because I was spending an exorbitant amount of money on online leads and, you know, the inventory obviously dried up. So there's just, you know, nothing for people to look at, but, um, and that kind of helped me because I switched, but outside of that, um, it's just going to be more of that model of, you know, how much commission can we take from the, from the agent and mm-hmm. every single deal. And I'm seeing that like kind of across a lot of different platforms. Yeah, definitely. Um, any any other opportunities, um, you know, maybe even just in the Dallas area, where are you seeing opportunities in the market? 
Um, I mean, the buy side's still really strong. Um, other opportunities, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of foreclosure or any of that kind of stuff. The stuff yeah. that we do have is really going to wholesale. So you have to, you know, kind of compete with other people. Um, it's very competitive here in the Dallas market. Obviously, there's no real inventory. And I think that's pretty much for the most part nationwide. Um, and a lot of people are relocating here, which makes it even tougher. So we're seeing a lot of different things. And I think this market is really exceptional to anything that I've seen. I know when I came into the business, um, it was similar, meaning that it was before the financial crisis. So yeah. it was similar, but it was never to the point where people were paying $100,000 over asking and the asking was already inflated yeah. um, and, you know, waiving, appra- uh, waiving appraisals and, you know, maybe waiving home inspections. These some crazy stuff. And I don't expect that to hold up forever. So what are you doing to get listings? Um, you know, or what I think that is a huge challenge. The inventory levels are a huge challenge and we have record numbers of realtors. I don't know if you saw NAR's membership has grown tremendously. So what, um, you know, how are you getting listings? Uh, a lot of it is just my, through social media. People are seeing my stuff. Um, a lot of stuff is also word of mouth. You know, I've been doing it for a long time, so people know who I am. Um, I do a lot of social events as well, so I'm out and about. Mm-hmm. I try to at least. Um, yeah. So it's just a lot of that. And then, you know, just like anybody else that's a realtor, you do whatever you can to get the listing. I mean, whatever it takes, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now you, um, you know, are you using any of like the whole realty resources or remine or any of those services that I've heard of some people using them to kind of um, pinpoint different neighborhoods where they might want to, um, you know, put out messages to those people wanting to sell, or they look at the length of time the person's been in the home. I think that length of time at this point is irrelevant. I I don't, you know, they used to say every seven years, someone's going to move. it's yeah. I, I mean, I, I tried like an ISA kind of deal and it uh-huh. was basically like, and I don't, you know, I watched a video uh, presentation and this lady like raved about it. And I think a lot of it has to do with what market you're currently in. Yeah. But for me, it was horrible. It was like a phone book. It was like, hi, like, do you want to sell your house? I know <laughs> you have a lot of equity. And of course the person's going to be like, maybe. And it was like, okay, great. Like that's a lead. And then I call the, the, you know, the lady or the guy. And it's just like, yeah, like, you know, the lady on the, that called me was really sweet and nice. So I said, yes, you know, but really like, I'll probably stay here for the next 10 years. I'm like, okay, well, you know, yeah, that was a big waste of time, you know, yeah. on to the next person, you know? So it's just, it's just, uh, from what I've experienced, most people that want to sell is either the house is in terrible condition and they want to get out Mm-hmm. because they put money into it and they can kind of see, you know, they're not long, no longer like a bag holder, you know, yeah. it's kind of like a term for stocks. And then the second thing is going to be uh, they have equity in it and then their neighbor's house sold for an, an incredible amount. And of course their house is a lot better always. Right. right. So then they want to sell their house for more money. So yeah. um, that's what I've experienced. Yeah. I, uh, you know, we've been in our house for, oh gosh, 16 years now. And, um, I get phone calls and letters all the time. Yes. 
um, you know, trying to get us to list our home because we can make a ton of money on it. And, uh, but, uh, we're not ready to do that. So and you should use me because I'm amazing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my final question is really how, you know, how are you juggling everything? What, um, systems are you using or what, what systems are you looking into to really help you, um, be more efficient moving forward? Uh, a buddy of mine has a pretty good system. I'm not sure if I want to use his complete system, but mm-hmm. um, something where the fact that, you know, you have a transaction coordinator and then I have a personal assistant mm-hmm. um, and then building off of that. So um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So mm-hmm. I could get a lot of stuff done. And then, um, you know, a lot of, I also have a lot of like projects that I want to get done in terms of things I want to do personally and professionally. So a lot of that comes into the factor. Um, I think the biggest thing is that, um, and what a lot of people don't realize when they become a business owner is you really become a, uh, a marketing machine for mm-hmm. your company. So, you know, you go from being an agent, that's kind of like marketing your listings from the broker or your own listings to now like, I'm here, like, this is my spot, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm the new boss, like, you know, let's do some deals kind of deal. And it changes and there's just a lot of it. And then on top of that, how many agents you have, they're doing their own marketing. So um, it just kind of compounds itself and you become the face and you go out and you have to kind of, you know, be careful what you do. And then you're also, you know, booked on a great podcast, like the one I'm on now and like different stuff. And, you know, you have Photoshop and it's just, it's a lot. And before you know it, you just get kind of sucked into like, am I like a media company or am I selling real estate? Like, you know, it's just a lot of juggling. I think it's a, it's a lot of both, honestly. I mean, heck, Ryan Serhant built his whole company on media marketing Mm -hmm. and, um, and by the way, selling. (laughs) So, so yeah, you you know, it's, it's definitely a combination of both and it's, it's a challenge. And I think a lot of um, smaller brokers will, will um, appreciate everything you had to say because they're going through the same. So, so thanks so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. To stay up to date on the current trends in the industry, subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.